It was a moment in a phone call that changed my life forever when a friend of mine that I grew up with, Matt Lockett, called me. He lived in Denver at the time. I lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I still live. Working with the students in his church, they did a prayer walk around their church campus, and it sparked an idea between us where we wondered what would happen if we got our students together, his students in Denver, mine in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we got them to do a prayer walk around their school campus at the beginning of the school year. So in 2003, we came up with this idea, decided to try it as a little experiment. We came up with the name Claim Your Campus, and we did it. We did it in 2003. Then we did it again next year in August of 2004. And we did it the third year. I had students in my youth ministry in Grand Rapids say, can we do this more often? So we decided to come up with weekly prayer groups. I was a part of the prayer group that started at East Kentwood High School in fall of 2005. And every Tuesday morning, I met with these students. There were about eight students. We met together every Tuesday morning in the largest public high school at the state of that time. That time, uh, a student body represented by 48 different countries of origin, a very eclectic, diverse school. And students, we met every Tuesday and we began to pray. And what I noticed is this. Students would pray and they would say things like, God, we thank you for this day and be with us today and help us today. And all these things that were very nice and without sounding negative or critical, these students, they just hadn't learned yet. They were praying really without much strategy, without much power, without much potency. Until one day, I challenged them and said, what if you were to pray for something where you'd ask for a specific result from God as you prayed? I said, what's one thing that needs to change at the school? And they very quickly mentioned the idea and the issue of fighting and violence in their school. And they decided almost immediately, let's pray about fighting in our school. We started doing that. The next three months go by. We didn't tell anyone. We didn't have t-shirts. We didn't have posters. There were no announcements. It was all a word of mouth thing with a very small group of students we met in the lobby of East Kentwood High School every Tuesday morning. And then one day, I happened to overhear the statistical report that happened every quarter at Kentwood Public Schools. And the report came out, and this is what it stated, that fighting had stopped for the first time in the history of this school at East Kentwood High School, and no one could figure out why. The school staff and administration have had meetings together about it, and they said, we haven't done a convocation, we haven't talked about it, we haven't produced any curriculum or mentioned it, and where in the world is this coming from and why did this happen now? And for me, that was a moment that changed my life. And going back to that phone call with my friend Matt, I realized that prayer can change a campus. A few years later in 2009, Claim Your Campus as a national ministry was born and we began pursuing the dream and the vision of student-led prayer groups at every middle and high school in America. One million students, 15 meeting every week at all 67,000 middle and high schools, public, private, and charter. That would change America, and it is changing America as this moment from a phone call has now mobilized into a movement. What we're talking about today are moments that have shaped modern American youth ministry. We're looking to the past and looking at these moments. We're talking with someone who was there. I can't wait to get into it on this episode of The Thought Factory. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. We're glad you're with us today. This is Episode 3, Season 7 of The Thought Factory podcast. 
Normally, my partner in crime, Jason Brewer, is here, but he's not here. He's on sabbatical. He's going to be back in a couple episodes. I haven't mentioned this yet, but we've got a new producer this year, a really good friend, Simon Post. Simon is behind the scenes. He's got the headphones on. He's working with us in this season of The Thought Factor. We're glad you're here, Simon. And we're excited as we continue to move on. We're talking about moments that mobilize movements. Now, this season so far, that's kind of what we're talking about these first few episodes are moments in time with students and in youth ministry that are mobilized into movements. Our first episode of this series and of this season was with Phil Joel from Newsboys United. If you haven't heard that, you should go back and listen to it. We talk about 172 days that changed youth culture 50 years ago and what it's still doing to change youth ministry culture today. So check that out. The last episode, we introduced another guest host, which we're going to be talking with him again today, a guy that has seen firsthand all these powerful moments throughout time. His name is Alan Weed. He's our he's our guest co-host today as we're talking about moments that mobilize movements. Last episode, we talked about organizations and people that have shaped youth ministry history in America more than anyone else. Today, we're going to be talking about another segment of things that have shaped youth ministry. We're going to be talking about what happened as we came to understand the campus as the most strategic mission field in America. So we're going to be talking about movements on campus today that are important. And speaking of movements on campus, Claim Your Campus is something that we talk about a lot. It's something that you need to know about. Claim Your Campus is uniting students around the country to meet once a week at their school and to pray for change. They use the Campus Prayer app. I want to encourage you as an adult, download the Campus Prayer app. See what's going on. Get students engaged in this movement. With tens of thousands of students already engaged, we want to get a student-led prayer group at every school in America. And to do that, we're organizing and hosting an event next summer that you need to know about called Claim Your Campus 2020. That will be happening July 4th weekend in the year 2020, which sounds so far away when I say it, but it's only a few months from now. And Claim Your Campus 2020 is is a platform where 50 organizations are gathering together with the goal and the purpose of equipping students to pray and to share and to serve on their campus. And as we consider what will happen at that event, you need to know what's happening and what's going on. Go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com and be a part of this movement. We are calling for adults to become what we're calling advocates, where they would sign up a school and register on the website and get engaged, and we're going to coach you. As soon as you get signed up, we're going to coach you and show you how you can get a group of maybe 5, 10, or 15 students that represent the school that you're an advocate for out to this powerful event next summer right in the middle of the country. We're going to meet in the middle right in Kansas, and we're going to be there for a weekend. We're going to be inspired together, and we're believing that this movement and moment will be historic. So ClaimYourCampus2020.com is the website where you can get more information that's where you can become an advocate and get signed up. And you may be thinking about it, and I'll, let me let me put it to you this way. You know, I I made it a goal years ago to run a marathon, and it took me a while, but I eventually did. But it did not become real until I went to that website, put my name in, and put my money down. And that's what it's going to take for us that are advocates for a school. Go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com. Learn more. When you sign up, it's $99. That gets you a ticket to the event. Artists all weekend, just imagine it's like a big music festival. Artists and speakers and, and activities and things to do with the purpose of equipping students to reach their school. It's $99 for adults, $49 for students. 
It's a very, very affordable event. You're going to see all kind of people from all over the United States. If you want to be a part of this exciting event, go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com and learn more. And that's going to be a moment to mobilize a movement for sure as we think about next summer. Now let's dive into our episode today. We're so grateful to have Alan Weed back with us. Alan is the founder and director of Interlink, a ministry that connects the music and media world to the ministry world, to the local church and to student ministry. And Alan has been there and seen so many things in youth ministry firsthand. He's connected to every major moment that we've seen in modern youth ministry America history. And we're so glad he took his time today to share with us things that he's seen. And we're going to talk about the campus today. So we're back with Alan Weed, founder and director of Interlink. And uh, let's talk about significant movements, things that have happened in youth ministry here. And we're going to start with what we categorize as the campus movement. So we're talking about things like Campus Crusade, now known as Crew Young Life, Youth for Christ, FCA, uh, a thing called Challenge 2000. Alan, talk about when you saw the birth and the advancement of this, um, the campus movement in youth ministry. Yeah, I, uh, I actually came to Christ through the high school ministry of Campus Crusade crew uh, in the late 60s. And they, they were doing uh, wonderful work on, on multiple college campuses, uh, college, high school campuses around the country. Uh, and uh, they, they, along with Young Life, Youth for Christ, FCA, uh, and others, uh, were, were, uh, were sort of the core of actually reaching out to the campus. Uh, and the, each of them, as you see from that, are... are uh, are um, uh, what you would call uh, parachurch ministries, uh, as opposed to coming directly out of denominations, and uh, that that's been quite interesting because as we've seen the movement, the campus movement grow over the years, uh, uh, you're finding much more involvement by the major denominations in seeing the campus as a uh, as a mission field, as the primary mission field. We're seeing that dramatically with the Assemblies of God, where uh, uh, a movement inside the uh, uh, inside the Assemblies of God has set aside uh, a whole area of home missions with the, yes. with the high school campus as the uh, as the center. That is called Youth Alive, and uh, uh, they have commissioned missionaries who are actually coming alongside their local churches and youth workers to uh, to go to the campus. Southern Baptists have been strong in that area, many others as well. But the interesting thing is it did sort of uh, begin, as oftentimes it does, with uh, uh, the parachurch organizations that uh, that actually uh, do that and then encourage the church to be involved as well. I'm glad you gave that shout-out to Assemblies of God because as I've become familiar with denominations and what's happening out there, I, I, I would consider them really leading the way for the rest of the denominations in North America as far as understanding, recognizing youth ministry, but as you said, Alan, specifically the campus. They have they fund it, they strategize it, they staff it. They're really serious and they understand the campus as a mission field. <clears throat> what I what we often say is uh, the 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 campus is the most strategic mission field in the United States. And you know, the, the stats are all there. I mean, it's well over 90% of all of our students are on a school campus during their middle school, high school years. 
they overwhelmingly are most um, open to the gospel before they graduate high school statistically. You know, those numbers vary, but they're always in the upper 80s to, to end up. And um, of people that receive Christ before they graduate, if they do during their lifetime. And then, um, you know, it's where they're spending um, 9,000 hours of their life. And that's where everyone in society is. So it just makes sense. So I always try to remind people how, from a kingdom perspective, how important the campus is. And, and those movements, crew and Young Life and Youth for Christ and FCA, those all began to really take off and grow, you know, in the late 60s through the 80s. And then, Alan, you were part of something really significant called Challenge 2000. And I want, I want everyone to know what that was and what that's kind of morphed into today because I think it's really important. Yeah, it's good. It's been a great privilege to be a part of that. And just I want to I back up just uh, a couple steps and, and help everyone realize, the best I can anyway, that how that came to be. Because I think uh, uh, one of the things that we know is true is that ministry runs on the back of relationships. Uh, the uh, one of the largest movements of uh, evangelism and discipleship is one globally called uh, the sport movement. You don't know anything about it because it's it's under the radar. But they say that there's there's three main elements to what we do: relationship, relationship, relationship. And I think they're exactly right. Mm. And so this this whole uh, current iteration of the the campus movement, uh, which is called the Campus Alliance, which uh, we're our executive director is a guy named Chuck Klein, who is uh, uh, uniquely qualified to lead us. I mean, just a special guy. He was in charge of the uh, uh, the high school ministry of Campus Crusade for 25 years. So he's uh, he he wakes up every morning and goes to sleep every night thinking about how can I get the gospel, how can I marshal the forces to get the gospel to every kid on every campus. But he's, he's our fearless leader of this uh, campus alliance. Let me back up, though. It all started uh, at this forum, uh, which we talked about earlier, back in the uh, early early 80s, late late 70s, early 80s, where 50 to 75 of us would meet together, fellowship, vision, training, relationships happened there. And then out of that came the Youth Ministry Executive Council, where this was that invitation-only meeting for denominational leaders and parachurch leaders. And um, we'd meet in Washington, D.C., typically uh, every year in May. And uh, out of those meetings, relationships were developed. So you had people that uh, wouldn't be together, uh, Pentecostal and non-Pentecostal, Armenian and Calvinist, you know, and uh, <laughs> Baptist and Baptist and, uh, and Presbyterians and Methobacterians were there. I mean, all of them. So, uh, and your buddy uh, and mine, Ross Merchant from the Wesleyan Church, was there in the thick of all of that. But yeah. uh, what we would do is meet and pray together, and we got to know each other, and we loved each other, and we go, we uh, we're all committed to the same thing. We uh, we're committed to seeing kids come to know Christ. We'll disciple them a little bit differently, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from that, I remember sitting there in those meetings, uh, Youth Ministry Executive Council in, in D.C., uh, and, uh, and Chuck Klein actually said to us, he said, guys, we know each other, we love each other, we're all committed to the same thing. Let's don't come back here next year and talk about the same thing. I think we need to meet together sometime 
between this meeting in May and next year, May, and let's put a plan together to get the gospel to every kid on every campus. And so that, uh, uh, out of that came a meeting in, in Glen Airy at the, uh, at the Navigator's headquarters. And I want to say it was in 19, I wish I had that right in front of me. It's either 80, I think it was fall of 19, uh, it was October, I know that. I believe it was 1980, no, I'm sorry, 1997 or 96, one of those two. Okay. But anyway, that's that's where the uh, we said, uh, um, let's, let's get, let's marshal all our forces together and put a plan together where we're all contributing to getting the gospel with every kid on every campus. And, and, uh, and that goal, that, and, you know, as, as I became familiar with that about 10 years ago, um, that idea of let's get a ministry presence at every school in America, and let's, and yeah. you, you had denominations and campus ministries and all kind of people marshaled together. The goal was to get that done by 2000. Um, yes. 2000 kind of came and went, but now it's remorphed, and you mentioned Chuck Klein, his leadership into what's now called Campus Alliance. So as you're listening to this, if you're interested in in the efforts that are happening today, if you go to everyschool.com, you can find out who's in that coalition of ministries. We're all working together. We're a part of it here at Never the Same and Claim Your Campus. Alan, you're in it with Interlink and many others, over 50 organizations and denominations in this coalition called Campus Alliance. But we have a summit coming up uh, this fall in November in Kansas City talking about we're all getting in the same room and continuing this strategy how can we get a ministry on every campus and we're we're locking arms and joining forces to do that so that every student can hear the gospel on every campus so that's coming up it's significant um, but that movement still exists today and it's still in fact it's gaining momentum which is exciting so another movement that you were you saw kind of birth which to me is just i think it's it's maybe the most significant moment in modern youth ministry history in my opinion because it's just been so miraculous phenomenal and clearly supernaturally blessed by god and that's see you at the pole yeah uh that again came out of the uh, uh out of the youth ministry executive council guy named chuck Flowers, who was the uh, uh, youth evangelism director for the state of Texas for Southern Baptist, uh, he and Billy Beecham had an idea, and they and they brought that to everyone at the uh, youth ministry executive council. And I want to say it was 1990, and uh, everybody said, "Boy, this is great. Let's do it." And so we've been a part of that ever since. And it's uh, uh, millions of kids have. Uh, participated in that and uh, and seen phenomenal results we, we've actually involved artists in that thing which has been pretty cool to see uh, bands all the way back to Petra and others that would go actually go out to the uh, flagpole and pray with kids too so it's pretty cool yeah. yeah so what what started you know back in 1990 with 10 freshmen in Texas and then a couple youth workers were inspired by that it's become this worldwide phenomenon and you know it's funny people over the years as we you know I see new generations enter into youth ministry some never heard of it some ask is that still going and what to me is just the mark of god is that it's still the largest prayer moment and and um what you might call movement in the world even still today 
millions of people participate, not just in the United States, but but around the world. And it's just been one of those incredible, phenomenal things. And it's funny, I referenced earlier, I met with some youth pastors this morning, and one of them heard me speak almost 10 years ago when I was starting Claim Your Campus nationally. And they said, do you remember that thing you talked about? One of the things... Um, this is off script, but it came to mind that that I that I just noticed statistically was that in in the '60s and I, it was in '63 and '64 that two Supreme Court rulings that were significant for schools. One was on the Bible, and one was on um, mandatory prayer in schools. And it sounds crazy to us today, but most public schools had a had a prayer given in the mornings over the intercom and. Um, those were deemed illegal, you know, tax-funded schools, and I'm not here to debate that ruling. But, but I did notice um, statistically, um, teen violence at school, teenage suicide, things like STDs, like all these statistics that were measurable, all dramatically started to change in 1965, and then it leveled off in 1991. And as a youth pastor, I kept noticing that. I would look at, I would track stats a lot, you know, still do, but I noticed. 1991-92, consistently across different studies and different things I read, articles and books, that it changed. And for the first time, it began to plateau and to decrease. And to me, I think that is the blessing of God on the fact that that it was the stand um, on prayer. I think when the United States said, you know, we don't want our tax-funded um, teachers and administrators leading in prayer— Again, not to debate that, but I think it was a, it was symbolic in its in its stance. But then, when students started to bring prayer back into schools, there was a change, and uh, so I think see at the poll is very significant. Um, all right, the last one here in the movements category is why wait and true love waits. You caught me biting down on some food here. Sorry. <laughs> We can we can cut that part out, but yeah. <laughs> uh, let me finish this bite. I'm I was sorry. like, "You're." I, I figured I you were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we we know that uh, that uh, a student's uh, sexuality is is a major part of who they are and and what's on their mind in the in the adolescent years and. Um, Every good youth ministry deals with that at least once or twice a year. Uh, Joshua Dow felt a, a particular uh, drive to, to uh, address that, and that's in the early 80s or mid-80s. He started with the Why Wait campaign, which he continued. Uh, but then Richard Ross, um, I want to say in the early 90s, brought to the, uh, uh, to the YMAC group Hey, you know what? Here's what's going on with students in our group. Richard, at that point, was a uh, was here in Nashville as a youth pastor. Uh, well, he was at the Lifeway, um, and he was a he was a full time youth pastor at the same time. He he uh, said he was willing to take the job at the uh, it used to be called the Sunday School Board if they allowed him to continue to be a youth worker. Brilliant hmm. from his side, and. Uh, Anyway, this this whole movement, the True Love Waits movement, came out of his church there, Tulip Grove Baptist Church, just north of Nashville, and uh, and Richard brought that idea 
to the, the linebacker and said, hey guys, you know, there's, there's something significant going on here. And everybody said, yeah, I think we need to, we need to get involved with this. And that's where uh, the, the whole, again, relationship, 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 um, uh, everybody began to pick that up. And uh, we know the impact that it's had. There were large uh, rallies on the uh, Washington Mall, at least one, I know that yeah. we were a part of. Uh, and then, you know what, those two things combined, why wait and true love waits in the 80s and 90s, you may think, well, that's a long time ago, but I tell you what, what that began is that triggered a wave of, of um, pledges and vows that students began to make that even happens today. And those, um, the names of those movements, um, you know, may not be in the, in the, uh, the public eye as much as they were, but but I know that's even impacted our family with, you know, as a parent raising our kids where, you know, they made a formal vow and pledge to be sexually absent until they're married. And and if you are familiar with that today, let's just say that, that that really came from and that was birthed in these two moments that happened that I remember in the early to mid nineties, True Love Weights just exploded and everyone was doing a True Love Weights event or a you know, something at, in their youth group or church or a citywide event. So those had a significant impact on us even today. So, all right, when we come back, we're going to talk about events, which are something that I love to talk about and how we see some very significant moments in events in youth ministry history. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.